Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello ladies, we are in our new series, What Do We Do in the Land? We began number one last week, We Must Possess the Land, and we looked at how God told his people to go up and possess the land that he had given them. He'd already given it to them. It belonged to them, but they had to go and possess it. And we also must possess our land of motherhood. It's not enough to just uh, just come into it with our toes just in it. But no, we must come in fully. Let me tell you one or two stories. A friend of mine told me this story and his father had told it to him. His father was a real estate agent and this man lived on his farm most of his life. But over time he became bored and dissatisfied, so he thought he'd put it up for sale. He contacted the real estate agent who, after inspecting the land, advertised it uh, as a beautiful farmland with rolling hills, nice home, three barns, several outbuildings and two ponds. A delightful investment for someone wanting to make a good living from the land. Well, the owner was reading the paper and saw this advertisement. And as he looked at it, he thought, wow, that's just what I've been looking for all my life, he thought. So he looked at a little more closely, and uh, as he looked, he realized this was his own farm that was being advertised. Wow, he didn't realize that what he had was already what he wanted. He immediately called the agent to take it off the market. And uh, for now, at last, he became satisfied with what he had, realizing, yes, this is what he really wanted. Uh, Another true story, Alice Gurr, she was the director of Above Rubies in England for a number of years, And one year when I was there with Alice, she told me this little story about her brother who lived in New Zealand. Alice comes from New Zealand, as I also do. And her brother bought this land uh, in Matamata, New Zealand. Now, many of you will know that Matamata is the area where they filmed, um, what do you call it, Lord of the Rings? Yes. So anyway, he bought this uh, farm, and uh, but unfortunately, he it just it wasn't he wasn't able to make a living out of it. So it became a hobby farm, and he enjoyed it as a hobby farm. But because he wasn't able to really make a living out of it, uh, he um, later years later he decided to sell. But when he came to sell. He looked into things properly and found 
that he had another 10 acres that belonged to him that were the most fertile and lush land of his whole property. And so this man had forfeited uh, his own land just because he didn't know what he had. He could have made a good living out of that land, but he didn't know. And I think that's often the way with us in our motherhood. We, we just come in and we're just on the periphery of the land and uh, we're so busy with everything else out of the land that we don't really come in and dwell and live and occupy and possess and take hold of the land that God has given us. There's another story I read about Chief Crowfort, and uh, he um, gave permission to the Canadian Pacific Railways to lay tracks from Medicine Hat to Calgary. In exchange for this, he was given a lifetime railroad pass. Well, he put this precious pass in a leather pouch and he wore it around his neck for the rest of his life. But he never once used it. And I think maybe we don't want to be guilty of that either, do we? We have been given a land. Let's embrace it with all our hearts. Now, what do you think keeps us from possessing the land? I have five different points here. Number one, unbelief keeps us from possessing the land. And we come into this land of motherhood, but, oh my, we don't believe that God can keep us in this land. My, I mean, we better just limit our family to maybe two or three children because how can God provide for any more? Wow, what an amazing thought. I remember challenging someone about that thought one day. Yes, I met this gentleman and he was telling me they could only afford three children. And I said to him, uh, is the God that you believe in, is he only able to provide for three children? A and I think this is how many in the kingdom of God think. I mean, it's amazing because that's not the God of the Bible. It's, it's a God of our own imagination. And there are many people who go to church and they say they believe in God, but they truly only believe that the God they believe in is so small, so little, so incapable that he can only provide for three children. Our God is bigger than that. Our God is able to provide and will provide for every new baby he gives. And I think of this scripture, Psalm 78, 19 to 22. And it says, yes, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can he give bread also? 
Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. And so unbelief, not believing who God is, he is the God of the Bible. And uh, this God of the Bible, let's just look over here in Deuteronomy 28. And uh, in this chapter, the blessing chapter, it says in verse 3, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy womb. And, and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle. And, and it carries on all the wonderful blessings. But do you notice something? The first blessing is the fruit of the womb. And then God adds all these other blessings. And blessed shall be thy basket and blessed shall be thy store. I mean, everything to provide for that fruit of the womb. If there was no fruit of the womb, there would be no necessity for them to have all these other blessings because there would be no one to uh, use it for. But God provides when he gives a baby. Oh, I continually hear so many wonderful testimonies from couples and they say, Oh, when we, God gave us a baby, I, he gave me a raise. When God gave us a baby, miraculously, we're, we're able to get this bigger vehicle and uh, so on. Just God does these things because he is providing. We go over to Numbers, Numbers chapter 14. And this is where the spies went in to spy out the promised land and they came back. Oh, they couldn't believe how amazing this land was. When they came back, it took two men to carry one bunch of grapes. Can you even imagine that? That's how fruitful this land was. But when they were there, they also saw giants in the land. So most of the spies came back with this fearful report, this unbelieving report. And it says here in Numbers 14, verse 36, 37, And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him, by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. And so here uh, they came back and instead of being full of faith as Caleb was, Joshua and Caleb, because Caleb had a different testimony. He said, oh, yes, there are giants in the land, but they're bread for us. Oh, we let's just go up at once and possess. But the others, 
Oh, yes, it's a beautiful land. It's fruitful. It's incredible. But there are giants there. They came back full of unbelief. And here the King James calls it. They brought up a slander upon the land. This was the land that God chose for them. God chose it. The Bible says he went ahead and spied out the land for his people. He chose it and he gave it to his people. But they were too scared. They were too filled with unbelief to go in. And so the Bible says they brought up a slander, a slander upon the land. In the Hebrew, that word slander means defamation, infamy. Yes, they defamed the land, even though it was a good land, even though it was flowing with milk and honey. They were filled with unbelief. We have to watch, dear ladies, that we don't bring a slander upon the land of motherhood. Sadly, I hear many women speaking slander against the land. They speak against motherhood in a despising way. They speak against motherhood in a negative way. They speak slander against the land. And they speak uh, just so defamingly about even having children and uh, just laugh about such things as having more children and, and just look upon it with such kind of, oh, you know, that's just so below me. And that's bringing a slander upon the land. Now, who were the people who brought the slander back in this story? It was the princes of the land. Moses told them to choose a, a prince, a leader out of every tribe of Israel. It wasn't just some ordinary person. It was the best of every tribe. And yet these leaders, yes, these leaders were the ones who brought back the slanderous report. And very sadly, this is the same today. Um, there are leaders in the church, pastors, ministers, elders, who speak disparagingly against the land. Young couples go for marriage counseling and they counsel them to wait to have children. They counsel them to use contraception. They are not embracing the full truth of the land. And, and there are many older women who are doing the same. They're bringing a slander to the young women instead of encouraging and teaching them uh, the, the things God wants to them to teach. Teaching the young women how to love their husbands and how to love motherhood and how to love being a keeper at home and so on. God has mandated that the older women will 
teach the young women, teach this new generation. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to um, get meetings and stand up and, and speak to a hundred or so many women. No, they can do this uh, just personally, encouraging the, the young mothers that are around them, even their own uh, young people who are growing up and getting married. One of the sad things uh, I, I, that happens is when I am sending out a new magazine. In fact, I'm now just sending out the email to remind people to send in their change of address because with every new magazine, we have to um, tidy up our mailing list and, um, you know, people moving all the time. People are changing their addresses. It's incredible. You wouldn't believe just how many thousands of addresses that we change with people moving and so on. But even today, I received an email from an older mother and saying the same thing that many say to me. Thank you, Nancy. I've so enjoyed Above Rubies over the years. And this particular mother told about her lovely 12 children. And yet I couldn't believe it when she said, but um, they're growing up now, so uh, I, I'm going to cancel Above Rubies. I beg your pardon? All she needed above rubies as her children were growing, but they're growing up now. But now she needs it more. She's got children. It's a new generation. They've got to be taught. They must be trained. They must know the ways of God. Is she not even passing it on to her children? What about young mothers around her? What about the young mothers in the church that she knows? Doesn't she care about them? And this is what I find. Most older women are thinking, okay, I've finished. That's motherhood over with now. They've grown. I'm going on to my new life. No, that's not biblical. We are mothers until the day we die. God created us as females, to be mothers. This is who we are. Yes, we will do many, many things in life, of course, but who we essentially are is a mother. And this is our greatest career. When Adam spoke the words over his wife, he said, she shall be called Eve because she is the mother of all living. When Adam spoke those words, there was not a mother on the earth. Eve was not yet a mother. Adam had never, ever seen a mother. Neither Adam or Eve had never seen a baby. They didn't know anything about motherhood. And yet, Adam is stating these words. He is speaking under the unction of God. He is proclaiming prophetically the career that God placed upon his female creation. She shall be mother. This is God's plan for every woman. Because not only has he created us physically to mother, 
with a womb, with breasts, but he has created us innately to mother. So mother, women, because they're female, will be mothering even before they ever have a baby from their womb because they are innately uh, anointed and created to be a nurturer. They will want to nurture and to love and to care for others in, in a motherly way. That's who we are. Our little girls do that from the time they are little. I, I was just watching the other night at our prayer meeting. And uh, when we have prayer meeting, it's not just all the adults. The children come and the little ones come. Even last night, it was just so beautiful to see so many children. And uh, just all along, families. We were there as families. But the other night, I was watching two little ones, uh, two little girls, both about uh, four and five. And... Um, they were they had their little dolls and they were nursing their dollies um because they used to seeing their mothers nurse their babies and they were just you know putting blankets on them and then they'd pick them up and then they'd nurse them and they were just intuitively just doing this because it's who they are as female and even women who are never able to conceive or never have children they are still mothers because they have this, this nurturing, um, just longing and anointing in them. That's why some of the greatest mothers who've ever lived were women who didn't even have children of their own, like Mother Teresa and Mary Slesser and all these great women of God who, who just poured out their lives in nurturing and cherishing and, and, and mothering. They didn't have their own flesh and blood, but they mothered so many more. You see, this is who we are. And uh, so we, we dare not uh, come against God's plan. We dare not slander this whole uh, beautiful land of motherhood which he has given to women. Another translation calls it a whispering campaign against the land. Another translation says spreading lies about the land. And so we have to be very careful. And I was talking about the older women. There is a dearth. There is such a dearth of older women today. I mean, where are they? Where are they? As their children are growing, they are totally vacating anything to do with motherhood, let alone taking up the mantle in a greater, greater way than they ever have before because they have all these young women and a new generation around them waiting for them to teach God's truth. And so in, we instead have a generation who are growing up in deception and they do not know the ways of motherhood. Oh, I, I just, in my prayer box, because we have lots of prayer boxes, and um, in my Above Ruby's prayer box, uh, I picked up this week the card, Pray for a Great 
great revival of older mothers to rise up and take up their mandate to teach the younger women. Oh, it is so needed. And dare I say it? Yes, I have to say it, dear lovely ladies, because it's the truth that every older mother who is not taking up this mantle to teach young mothers is disobeying God. And as I said before, it, it uh, doesn't mean that she has to be this great speaker and, and uh, you know, teaching women. No, it's just in her day-to-day -day life and in the influence she has of her own family and young mothers around her in the church. But God has given her that mandate. He's given it to every old mother. Oh, may we rise up into it. Amen. Okay. So, we're going to embrace the land and not ever, ever, ever slander it. Watch, dear mothers, older mothers, younger mothers, watch that you do not slander the land of motherhood, that you do not speak negatively about it because you're speaking about a land that God has given to us as women. All right. Another thing that keeps us from possessing the land is fear. Or perhaps <clears throat> that is one of the biggest ones of all. Fear. Oh, the fear of the unknown, the fear of will there be enough provision, the fear of having a baby, or, of course, even if you've had many babies, the fear because something has happened, the fear of maybe you have something physically wrong with you and help, how can I have another baby or whatever. Sadly, the medical profession are fear-mongerers. I mean, if you listen to the medical profession, I don't think that anyone would ever have a baby. It seems that whatever is wrong with a person, well, um, yes, I don't, you better not have any more children because that could be the end of you. And it isn't true. Many listen to that and they stop having children. Many have faith not to listen but to trust God. And they have gone on to have another baby completely safely and beautifully. You see, even if we have a difficult pregnancy, it doesn't mean to say we'll have the same again next time. Every pregnancy is different. Even if we had maybe a difficult birth or something traumatic happened, that doesn't mean to say it will happen again. I mean, even if... Um, you know, you've had uh, a C-section. Often the medical profession will say, oh, well, no, can't have any more babies or you will have to have C-sections every time. But no, that's not true either. Hundreds and hundreds of women have gone on to have VBACs, vaginal birth after C-section. Because you see, God is a healing God. God is always healing our bodies. He heals our bodies on the outside and he heals our bodies on the inside. 
if we have a cut or even something quite serious, um, it will heal. God heals. It, sometimes it takes time, but it heals. Broken bones heal. A and even if we've had a C-section or, you know, something traumatic in the birth or, um, you know, we've torn or whatever, those things heal. Sometimes they take time, but they heal. We're healing on the inside as we heal on the outside. And I believe it's a beautiful thing for husbands to pray over their wife's wounds, especially if you've been through something quite traumatic or you have a concern. Ask your husband to lay his hands upon your wound and pray God's healing over you, to pray over your womb, to speak healing into your womb. God, your husband is your covering, and God hears him as your covering. And so that is a beautiful thing to do. <coughs> we look at, um, let's see here, Deuteronomy chapter 9. And here it says, verse 1, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go and to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, they were the giants, whom thou knowest and of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? And so they were fearful. How can they come against these cities that are taller and greater and even fenced up to heaven, it seemed like? And uh, they were giants. But God goes on to say in verse 3, Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire, he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face. You see, God is with us, dear ones. Yes, we face issues in our lives that are so much bigger than us. Yes, and it's just like they saw these cities that were so great and tall and fenced up to heaven and the people who were great and tall and giants. Sometimes you're facing a giant in your life. Oh, it is, it's a giant. A and the fear is creeping in. I want to tell you God is bigger. God is bigger than any giant you face. And he is your healer. He is your restorer. He is your deliverer. And he will go before you, and he is with you. You can trust him. Psalm 53, verse 5 says, There were they in great fear, where no fear was. My, the margin of my Bible says they feared a fear. Now, I, I think this is so prevalent. And this is what we often fear, ladies. What, when we look at it, come on, let's get down to tin tacks. 
we really are fearing a fear because someone has said something and, and they've put fear into you, but you don't know that that's going to happen. It's not a reality. It is fearing a fear. And this is what we've got to watch, that we don't fear a fear. Yes, that's a deception. A and that's what often happens when you go to the doctor. Oh, wow, they put that fear in you. But it's not a reality. It's a fear of something. Oh, it could happen. It might happen. Most probably it won't. And so you fear that fear and it takes over your life. No. We must not fear a fear. Listen to it again. There they were in great fear. Where there was no fear. And what did Job see, say? The fear that I feared came upon me. It, fear is very powerful. A and what you fear can often come upon you because of the power of fear. Because fear is not of God. And so we must resist these fears and put our trust in God. Amen. All right. Now, the next one. Discouragement. Discouragement. Oh, that often keeps us from possessing the land. Deuteronomy 128. What does it say here? Yes, and it says, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. So once again, there it's much the same as Deuteronomy chapter 9. Not only did it fill them with fear, but now it's filling them with discouragement. Did you read that word? They've discouraged us. Yes, discouraging words. Oh my, we have to be careful ourselves of speaking discouraging words into people, don't we? Because discouraging words can also lock us up. Fear locks us up. Did you know that fear locks you up so you cannot be free to be who you are? Fear locks you up so that you cannot even be free to do what God wants you to do or to embrace all that God has for you in his kingdom and in his land of motherhood. And discouragement is also a locking up thing. A and we must watch that we don't put it on others. We need to do the opposite, which is encouragement, not discouragement. Proverbs, um, what is it now? Proverbs 12, 25, I think, in the Living Bible. And it says, a word of encouragement does wonders, miracles, amazing things. Oh, wow. It's a wonderful scripture that I just love it. I just have taken, when I read it years ago, I've made it part of my life. A word of encouragement does wonders. Lovely ladies, maybe you're facing 
difficulties in your marriage, in your relationship with your husband. I want to tell you this secret. A word of encouragement does wonders. You can try it, even though you don't feel like it. It's the last thing you want to do is encourage your husband. You don't feel there's one thing you could even encourage him about. But if you ask the Lord, he'll give you something. There was a time when you loved him. You were in love. So think of just one thing and just ask God for grace and help to just say those words. To just say a little word of encouragement. And every day, think of a new little word of encouragement to say. I guarantee you that you will see wonders if you will do it and if you will continue it. Because the Bible works. The same with your children. There's one you're finding difficulty with. Try that word of encouragement. It's so powerful. And it's the opposite to discouragement. And uh, so we've got to watch that we don't discourage, but, but we encourage. And also that when we are given discouraging words, that we don't take them in and, and just let them bind us up. Now, I see that time has gone. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this next time uh, when we get together. So let's pray now, shall we? Dear Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We're always thanking you for your word. I thank you for your word every day because this is how we know how to live. And uh, we just thank you that you show us the way. And I pray for every precious older mother listening today. I pray that you will encourage her and that you will give her a vision to take up her mantle as an older mother. I pray that you'll show her how you want her to do this, that you'll bring alongside her a young mother or young mothers that she can encourage and show the way, especially encouragement. And Lord, I pray uh, that you will help her as she encourages her own daughters and daughters-in-law. I pray, Lord, for the young mums. I pray that you'll and the middling mums. Lord, bless every mother today. Encourage them, bless them, strengthen them. I pray, Lord, as they may face these temptations of fear and uh, discouragement, that you will help them to see that they don't come from you, they come from the enemy, and they will resist them in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray today for the strengthening of motherhood in this nation. I pray, Lord God, uh, for the young generation of mothers. Lord God, we've got to reach them. We pray that you will help us to reach them, Lord. I pray that you will give uh, women such a vision to um, Lord God, just to to get, Lord, not just their one magazine, but many magazines so they can have them to give out and give to 
to young mums and, and uh, Lord, that we can spread the word of your truth across the nation. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.